You are listening to Prickly and Blooming. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hi, friends. It's Jesse here again. Um, I'm so happy you've joined us again. And how much did you love Karen last week? She was a light. Uh, I adore her book. I hope you pre-ordered it because it's on pre-order still. But somehow I got my copy already. I'm not going to disclose how Amazon sent it early. So maybe you've gotten yours early, <laughs> early too, which I'm not sure why they're sending them out, but it was awesome to get it. I wish I had gotten it in more time. I got it like 30 minutes before I was um, going to sit down and talk with her. She was a wonderful gift to the show, and I'm grateful to have the time with her. And I took lots of notes, and I bought that photo printer that she recommended, and it's amazing. Y'all go pick one up. It's a Canon IV printer. It prints stickers. I have stickers from my vacation. I have just took a picture of my business this morning and printed it out. I love it. Little Canon Ivy printer. That was a hot tip, Karen. Hot tip. Um, okay. That was last week. Let's talk about business. Um, did you fill out the listener survey yet? You probably haven't because not many people have. You really, you'd be surprised. <laughs> it has gotten a reply. I do know that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's at least one in there. Um, so if you could, that would be super. I mean, if you're just listening right now, so just go ahead and click on the show notes and it'll be right there. It'll take you right to the website. Um, it's a Google form and I put lots of pictures to make it fun. So it's not just you know black and white text. There's pictures, every one. So everywhere that we are on social media is um, prickling blooming. So follow us on Instagram if you haven't. There's a Facebook page, there's a website all of that that keep forgetting the last couple episodes i've forgotten to say please follow the show um it used to be subscribe and now apple has changed the verbiage it says follow so when you click on the plus button if you're listening on apple Podcasts, which most of you are i can see from the uh, statistics <laughs> hit the plus sign up at the top of the screen it says following on Spotify, it's the same thing. It's following. And I think that's where Apple got the idea was from Spotify. They call it following. And it's much more social media verbiage following. So, yeah, there we go. If you were wondering when that changed, I don't know. Sometime this summer it became following. So follow the show. Thanks. Um, what else? Oh, rate the show. Go ahead, go ahead and rate it. Um, write a review if you're feeling saucy. If you're feeling real saucy, go right ahead. I guess that's it. That's it. Oh, there's merchandise on our website. If you ever need a relax, it's LaCroix koozie. <laughs> I love them. Did you catch that? So I made a koozie. <laughs> the logo on one side and the other side says relax, comma, it's LaCroix. <laughs> I've talked about it in previous episodes. So like you're walking around HEB and you have a can and a koozie and you get a little side eye and you know, people are like, is she really? No, it's LaCroix. Calm down. It's just a water. Okay. Again, okay, since we're only a couple episodes away from the results, I just really want to say again, like, thank you all so much for helping me get to be a finalist in that um, Launchpad One, Podcast One competition. That was really awesome. And it felt really good to feel supported and lifted. And I just want to say again how much I appreciate y'all. And y'all were sharing and shaking, shaking the bush 
you're shaking the bush for me. <laughs> shaking the bush, boss. So my husband and I say that a lot. Um, it's from Cool Hand Luke, and we use it like a little bit wrong, I guess you'd say. A, a little bit off than the original intention. So in the movie, when they're on the chain gang and they have to go pee, <laughs> they have to go, they get released from the you know chain gang and they go and they pee a little bit away from everyone and they have to shake a bush. They have to shake a bush to signal to the chain gang leader, the the boss, the, the chain gang boss that they're there. So uh, he says, shaking the bush, boss, shaking in here. <laughs> so my husband and I say it often and we say it in the like, I'm on it sort of, that's what it means to us is like, I'm on it, I'm on it. Or um, right on top of that rose. Oh my gosh, another movie quote. Right on top of that rose. Do you remember what that's from? Yes. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead when Christina Applegate gets the office job and her boss says, if I'm ever on the phone and I say blah, 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 she says, just reply, right on top of that rose. (laughs) Those are two like sayings that my husband and I use pretty much every day. Oh, classic me. Now I forgot. What were we talking about? How did I go off on that tangent? All right, let's talk about this week. Let's just wrap that up. Okay, this week um, I have Kenna. And Kenna, Kenna's story is something out of an ABC movie, like made for TV movie. Or I guess they don't even do, does it, is that even a thing anymore? <laughs> it feels like a 90s thing. Just an ABC nighttime movie. Her story, you're going to be like, wait, what? That really happened? Her husband actually left her for her best friend and neighbor. Oh, wow. Okay, that happens. Let's listen. <laughs> I'm seeing that I'm for next season, I'm going to set up like different episode structures. And so this is going back to our classic, this can't be my life. Obviously, kind of story fits into that category of like, this can't be my life. She definitely had a moment where, you know, thought to herself, said to herself, this can't be my life. This can't be happening. Um, and there's other, you know, episodes we've been doing, you know, where we, we met Karen, where she shared her story. And this also was a reclamation story of like, this can't be my life. Um, there, the week before we met Maria, which is a more like Maria's story was to explain this. uh, Oh my gosh, there's a Fox outside my window right now. (gasps) Oh, I wish you guys could see this. There's like three teenage foxes that live by my house. He or she is playing catching a bug or something oh my gosh it's the cutest thing all right i'm gonna take a photo (gasps) look at you cute fox they're they're red foxes or brown brown gray gray so cute oh my gosh like playful little little kids there's three of them we seem oh and i've heard oh okay we're going on a little tangent here i'm gonna pay attention what i'm tangenting about i heard what the fox says so there's like a little den somewhere near my house and my husband and I both have had the amazing opportunity to hear what a fox says. It's like a bark ish, <laughs> a, a bark ish, like, rawr, rawr. but not like kind of like that. Or, but like, it's like if a dog had laryngitis and they're trying to bark is what a fox sounded like. <laughs> so I've heard what the fox says. They're so cute. They're so cute. Okay. Kenna. <laughs> Kenna's story. Um, oh my gosh, there goes another one. There goes another one. <laughs> that was another fox. Okay, Kenna. 
maybe we should just stop. I've lost it. I've lost. I know what we were talking about. Ken, I'm introducing Ken. But I, this, this. We lost it. Let's just go. <laughs> Let's go listen to uh, our episode with Kenna. And I'm going to go look at these fox. This foxes outside. Okay. All right. Bye. Hi, Kenna. Hello. Hello. I know Kenna. <laughs> we just saw each other two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks. But for the first time in maybe three years. <laughs> yeah, it's Four been years? a minute. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, I like to ask people this question of like, what's a little bit to know about you before we know a lot about you? So what's like, we know you're Kenna. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up in far west Texas. Uh, one of four children. Where, where are you in the four? What's your I'm number second. One? That's what I thought. Second. Yeah, that's what I thought. yeah. Although it doesn't fall, like we don't follow the normal pattern. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always act like the oldest. Got it. Because Doug is irresponsible. Sorry, Doug. <laughs> um, <laughs> he just doesn't. Uh, so yeah, I am a mother of two biological children, mm-hmm. um, Ella and Will. They're 16 and 14. And then I have two stepkids that stepdaughter Mava is turning 17 next week and my stepson is 15 okay. so there's like Brady Bunch yeah that's a total 14 15 16 17 <laughs> they were born in 2004 5 6 and 7 but there are girls are both juniors the boys are both freshmen so oh funny how they all, yeah 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 how that all, all turned worked out, out. Um, they're only about six months apart oh wow the other two anyways oh. um mm-hmm. so yeah so I sometimes have four kids do you sometimes have two kids, sometimes have four kids, and sometimes there's no kids? Yes. Is it one of those? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how long have you been married now? Oh, um, two years. Second marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, stepkids. Um, yeah. And I have some cats that are wandering around. And uh, thankfully, the kitten got his booster shots today, so he's uh, knocked out. Otherwise, he'd be up yes. here punching buttons. Um, and somewhere, there's a dog. And that's it. I live in Austin now. Oh. Well, I, I'm i assuming we're, we're, we're going back to my classic um, what's framework of, a, of an episode, and I'm very excited because it's been a couple weeks since I've, I've done one with this, this classic setup of the show of, like, so, Kenna, <laughs> have you ever had a moment where you said, like, this can't be my life, or just not this? Or what are the other euphemisms? Now you've listened to a couple episodes. Um, I should have this written down somewhere too. <laughs> of uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Go go for it. Tell us. <laughs> Probably the end of my first marriage was the biggest. Like, yeah, well, this can't be mm-hmm. my life right now. Yeah. Um, I met my first husband when I was still in college here in mm-hmm. Austin. Well, I was going to school mm-hmm. in San Marcos, and we worked at the same company together. And we got married. We were together like five years before we got married. Ran off to Scotland. It was great. Got married in Gretna Green. Bought a little house or big house in uh, North Austin suburbs and had that ideal life. I stayed, once we had kids, I was staying home. And he worked for IBM. It was just like, yay, everything's happy. Hunky dory. Um, And then. I found out that, uh, well, he asked for a divorce, 
and it was another month and a half before he told me why he actually won her divorce. It turns out he was having an affair with my best friend. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> and she lived she... across Yeah, lived across yeah. the street from us. Mm-hmm. And we did everything together. Mm-hmm. Everything. So, uh, yeah, that uh, double betrayal mm-hmm. was, uh, yeah, had Humpty. no idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, the, the day before he confessed to the affair, I was talking to my boss. I was doing, like, part-time work at a preschool. Mm-hmm. And I'd had to ask off for something because we were going to go to couples therapy. I don't know why he agreed to do mm-hmm. it because he had no intention of it actually doing it. Um, anyway, so I'd asked off, and my boss asked me, uh, she's like, do you think there's somebody else? And I was like, no, of course not. Like, he just, he just hangs out with me and my best friend all the time. <laughs> but um, boom. Yeah, so. Was she married as well? Yep. Um, she'd been married for almost 10 years, or a little over 10 years. Had a daughter. Like, I remember the day I met her. We lived in the house for almost two years, but we didn't really know our neighbors. Um. And she lived just down the street, a few houses. And I'd gone outside with my eldest daughter. I was pregnant with my son. And um, Ella was about 18 months old. And we were going to check the mail. And there's one of those mailbox giant things for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just around the side of our house. So we were walking over there. And here comes this man walking down the street with his little girl. And they just, they saw each other and made eye contact, the girls did, and just ran to each other um this was Sophia was his daughter she was two so they're about six months apart and they were they've just been best friends ever since then and we walked around with the girls for a little bit and talked and they took me back to the house and um introduced me to his wife and uh yeah she was on the couch she just had abdominal surgery and she was kind of drugged a little out of it but apparently that's her normal way to be mostly from alcohol um or just from alcohol but uh yeah that was fun and then we after that we just hung out every weekend and the kids played and I took care of her daughter after school once they Mm -hmm. were school age yeah it was a lot of everything together it sounds um I'm like a suburban like that's what I'm looking for like television show yeah, yeah. Like, and it was just like, I remember Mercer saying, like, could he be any more cliche? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. The neighbor. Like, no. I guess a babysitter. Like, yeah. You know, like yeah, that would be. babysitter. Maybe a tiny more. Yeah. But so what, like, you know, as much as you want to share, yeah. like, what got you to that moment? Like, what was life like leading up to that? You know, you, you said you had, how long had you been married at that point? 12 years, I think it was? Oh, no, it was 10. Um, 10, okay. Well, yeah, we were coming up on 10 that year. Okay. Um, this was 2013. And we mm-hmm. got married May of 20, or 2003. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we had, like, a great life. We traveled, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. did things, always together, very mm-hmm. touchy-feely, normal sex life, all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, about, I guess the affair started the June before, in, like, 2012, and they said they were getting together to just, they both had corporate jobs and they wanted to, uh, commiserate. Yeah. About like, like, cause we didn't understand their spouses didn't understand. I mean, her husband works at the same company that she does. Oh. So I don't really know how that works out, but 
yeah, they, we didn't understand the stress of being, they were the breadwinners. Um, mm -hmm. So that was so stressful. So they needed to meet in secret for lunches and happy hours. And these happy hours, like, they would be going to happy hours, and I would be picking up her daughter and my kids and taking care of them after school, and they're out drinking in the middle of the day mm -hmm. without me. Mm -hmm. It was like fun. I remember, like, about October of 2012, he told me he was starting this big project at work that would last till the next spring, and he would come home almost every day from work and just be grumpy and mean, and I tried to be, like, so nice and accommodating mm -hmm. and... Uh, it didn't help like it didn't but I, I that's I didn't suspect anything was wrong because I thought it was just him being stressed about work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and had no clue until like right after Christmas they didn't want to tell us before Christmas because they didn't want to run Christmas for everybody thanks <laughs> um, and I decided to it was like New Year's 2013 or like mm -hmm. January 2nd, I saw the forecast in West Texas, there was going to get, they were going to get snow. And mm -hmm. so I was like, kids are still on Christmas break. I'm going to pack up the kids and take them out there to go see the grandparents and play in the snow. And I remember I was like, oh, I'm going to, I told him I was going to leave. He had to work. And he's like, well, that's great. I'm kind of glad you were leaving because I want some time to myself. I'm like, what? <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> right. And I could tell something was wrong then. And I'm like, this isn't right. Um, and so I left, went out to West Texas. Um, my cousin Mercer, who you've had on the show, was out there. And so she came and stayed with me. Because my parents ended up leaving. They had to go do something else. So we were just, it was just Mercer and I and our kids stuck in the snow. And it was a lot of snow that year. Yep, I remember that year. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we just put our beer out on the back porch to chill it. It was great. Mm -hmm. Had a big fire going. Um, but I remember calling him when I got in that night. and like, what is going on? And that's when he's like, I want a divorce. And so at least I had a couple of days there with Mercer to kind of like, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, and I, I heard, I was listening to some of your other podcasts and mm -hmm. I remember there was another one about divorce and she was like, I'm just going to fix it. And I was like, kind of like the same thing. Like I identified with oh, that right. so much. I was like, yeah, I'm going to fix it. We're going to sign up for uh, couples therapy and I'm going to go I'm gonna on read dates. Books. Yeah. Yes. We're going to do all this and we're going to fix it. It's going to be great. And nothing I did was like changing anything. And mm -hmm. I remember I'm like talking to my therapist about this, but like I was still sh hanging out with her this whole time. Like, mm -hmm. she would come over and, like, hey, can I borrow some nail polish? Or let's just you and I go out for, like, uh, pub trivia, because we both love pub trivia. It's still acting like she was my best friend. And, like, that's some of the stuff that I still have a hard time mm -hmm. getting over. And then if I was, we were together and I talked about my sex life with my husband or was discussing, like, how the divorce thing was going, it didn't even occur to me she'd asked for divorce at the same time and told her husband she wanted a divorce. And oh. that mm -hmm. didn't, like, click anything. But I knew, like, she'd talked to me about it for a long time, that she'd been unhappy. Right. So you, like, her her timeline had predated, right, if you will. So, like, yeah. you knew this was something going, yes, got it. Well, so I mean, but no. I knew she was unhappy, but she didn't mm -hmm. bring up the divorce thing until I was like, oh, David wants a divorce. She's like, I'm getting a divorce, too. I'm like, oh, yeah. yay. Yay. We're all um, I was like, but I like your husband. He's great. I do. I'm still friends with him. So, yeah, she would get really mad if I was talking about any of this stuff. And it, that mm -hmm. still didn't click. Um, 
it all makes a lot of sense now. Like once I went to a therapist went during the divorce, mm-hmm. like after this moment happened, and then it she wasn't great. It was just didn't click. But I had never heard or really paid attention to the term narcissist before, mm-hmm. and every mental health professional that I've described this woman to since then has been like, oh yeah, she's a narcissist. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. Well, now I know what a narcissist is. Right. Now you've them. had that um, education. Um, yeah. So a lot of that was just that, yeah, she did not like sharing my husband. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I remember the day, like, like this went on for a couple of weeks. There was some, there was some shit that went down. <laughs> like, it was not fun. I remember throwing, like, her birthday, we went out. It was, like, end of January. We went out for uh, her birthday downtown. And the couple's therapist was like, oh, you guys should go have, like, a pre-date before and, like, hang out. And he was, like, totally blew me off and didn't. So then I was pissed all night. And it, we all had hotel rooms downtown Austin. And I remember finally just getting mad about everything that was happening and him not paying any attention to me and just mm-hmm. frustrated and walking back to our hotel, which was closer to campus and we had to walk past the governor's mansion or I took that route and I remember us like yelling on the street and no one was around except for the DPS officers on the backside of the governor's uh, like, <laughs> mansion that were just like you guys need to take this somewhere else um, but I do remember I threw my wedding rings into the street and like the band never like we never found that but he found the engagement ring engagement ring and brought that back to me thanks but uh but I still didn't like everything that was going on until he confessed and they both decided like it was right after valentine's day because it was like a thursday um so on that that saturday they're like okay we're both saturday morning we're gonna get up we're gonna tell our spouses so i remember him getting up and like i was like i'm gonna go for like a jog or like a walk i don't jog like because i was trying to like do everything like lose weight and like be in better shape and like all this stuff to just try to yep, be you're, like you're fixing, I'm fixing it I'm fixing it <laughs> yeah. yes and I remember him like making me scrambled eggs which was weird because like we'd never make breakfast in the morning unless we're like we had a plan or or there was mm-hmm. bacon to go with eggs or something but he made me scrambled eggs which I couldn't eat for a long time after that mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then he was like afterwards I remember like walking in the bedroom I'm putting my shoes on to go for my walk and He's like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, all right. So he came in the room and he shut the door. And he's like, there is somebody else. And I was like, oh. And then he's like, before like I could say anything, he was like, it's Pam. And I finished, oh, I was going to say her name that loud, but it was, I, uh, I finished tying my shoe and I got up and I walked out the front door and I ran across the street and I beat on her door, which was a glass, like, paneled front door mm-hmm. I beat on it so hard that my hand went through the glass panel like cut my thumb um and I can see all the way through into their living room and it was her and her husband and her daughter were in there and she comes to the door but she's like puts her head down because she's like oh shit I I know what's happening now yeah she, she hadn't told him yet and so her husband comes to the door and he's like what's going on like what are you doing because I never seen me angry or behaving mm-hmm. like this before and Louise is standing there going like what's happening like what what are you going on and I'm like just ask her like ask her and open the door <laughs> you would not open the door thank goodness or I'd probably be in prison mm-hmm. 
because I wanted to beat the crap out of her in that moment. Yeah, it was like the adrenaline was just from that. It was mm-hmm. just insane. And then I turned around and went back to the house and told David to pack up whatever he needed and get out of my house. And he did. And yeah. that was the end. I mean, I think I, we still like argued a mm-hmm. bunch for the next for the next couple of months. And as we went through, like, I served papers and we went through the whole, like, divorce process. But we went through it pretty quickly. Like, it was fine. Like, my last moment of just, like, I'm done with him. Like, I just, there's nothing left was on our anniversary. Um, It was May 20th, 2013. And he'd come over to see the kids and then put them to bed because they were, Will was just finishing kindergarten. And Ella was second grader. So they were little still. Um, you put them to bed. And then I was talking to him. I'm like talking to him at the door. And I was flirting with him. And like, I don't know why. Well, I know why. But anyways. Um, and he left. And then he turned around and he came back. And then I slept with him. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I was like, oh, what am I doing? And he's cheating on her. And she's across the street. But he's cheating on me with her it was very confusing and I was like yeah I was like and done and my therapist yeah. was like that was a bad idea and I was like no actually I think it was very like that was kind of some of my closure of just being like done yeah I get it mm-hmm. yeah I was like if it felt like it became your choice at that point you took a little yeah. bit of the control yeah. power back right? exactly yeah yeah mm-hmm. um yeah because I was aware of what I was doing when I did it. I was like, if I wasn't like a, if he does this, if he follows through, then I'm done. But in the moment, that's what happened. Mm. Yeah. And then the divorce proceeded very quickly after that because I yeah. <laughs> Mercer provided me with a really great lawyer. I mean, she didn't pay for her. She just yeah. was led her. you to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that she knew. And um, she was like, let's work on this quickly because he's feeling really guilty. And they do but it will only last so long um especially if he has another woman and she's putting things in his ear like she's not going to want him to give away all his money so um he was very generous and we were done by july 3rd wow of that yeah. year yeah which we named uh ken appendance day <laughs> because remind me like you were a stay-at-home mom right yep for like, about Ten- um, 10 years? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. or at least nine of those. Yeah, as soon as, right before Ella was born. Like, I was mm-hmm. eight months pregnant. I quit my job. I'd been working in retail. Um, not when my degree was in at all, because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have a degree in international relations. Oh, wow. Um, with a minor in history. So, yeah. Uh, didn't use a whole lot of that at that mm-hmm. time, so... Now, I have to know, did yeah. she continue to live across the street? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, until, yeah, so, and I was stuck there until I could sell the house. But Right, until the divorce was final and all of that kind of. Yeah. He mm-hmm. got an apartment nearby. Um, and we, I remember, like, asking him to, like, not spend time with the kids. And I'd taken the kids to a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because I, I imagine that this was your daughter's best friend. Yeah. This was the mother. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming your husband had to, you know, be forthcoming with his children of what was happening, where he was going, why he would maybe be at their friend's house. 
Yeah, I don't know how he explained he did it. that mm-hmm. to them or and I didn't I tried to protect them as much as I could and did not discuss mm-hmm. it um, at all but I remember taking the kids to a psychiatrist and mm-hmm. they wouldn't they didn't get a whole lot out of it they wouldn't didn't really have thing to say to her to my daughter and I talk about it now and she's like mm-hmm. yeah I didn't like I'm fine like I didn't know I'm like well you say you're fine now we'll see but right. um <laughs> <laughs> um, she knows everything. She's 16. Mm-hmm. One day we had my ex-husband David come in and she wanted to meet him. And so she'd usually like talk to me for a little bit, then talk to the kids individually, and then mm-hmm. talk to me again for a little bit if you needed to, or we'd catch up the next session. Um, so she did that. She talked, but she talked to just the two of us for a little while. And she begged him to like take some time and not spend every minute he had with the kids with his girlfriend right Um, right because it had to have been confusing for them to like suddenly mommy's out Mm -hmm. of the picture but her best friend is still around and right um he refused he's like no i'm not going to i remember the next session i went back in and she was just like i mean this woman has a phd she was Mm -hmm. brilliant i like really liked her and she was like well he's a real piece of work i'm sorry (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) thanks yeah um, I mean, the kids seem to adjust. They, they know her, and they, mm-hmm. it, it was weird, I guess. But uh, they, mm-hmm. you know, kids are resilient. Are those two still together now? Your ex-husband? Yeah, they got married. Um, okay. A couple of years ago, I don't remember when. Okay, so yeah, maybe. definitely like they're now they're. Yeah. Your your daughter's best friend's mom became her stepmom. Yes. Right. Yeah, and Got they it. did. They moved into that house first. He had like the divorce decree had. Mm-hmm. It had to be six months from the time of the divorce, mm-hmm. uh, before he, they could cohabitate. Okay. Uh-huh. And so they had to wait six months. They moved, lived in that house first, and then they bought another giant house and moved out of the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but I'd moved by then as well. Okay, like, I was about I, to say, did like, he yeah. move back in the neighborhood across the street? Like, oh, oh no, he gave me the like house, a... and I was like, he put it mm-hmm. on the market. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Take the first yeah. offer. I oh, moved my south goodness. to be close to family. So yeah, I was about to say, it's just such a ABC like storyline. <laughs> yeah, know? it it's. I remember I was talking to my therapist like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Just still working on all this. And I told her, I was like, I feel like I should be over it. Like, and my ex and his wife tell me frequently that I should be over all of this. Um, and my therapist was like, you know what? She's like, I have like, she's, she's working on her EMDR training mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we do EMDR life, but she's uh, working on the certification. And um, so she has to report to a, a supervisor so she was talking to him about my case one day and he mm-hmm. like he's like I've dealt or she told me he'd dealt with trauma patients for years and she's like mm-hmm. yeah no that's a lot of trauma like that's a lot mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. to deal with um, mm-hmm. she's like no your your feelings are valid and yeah what you went through was traumatic yep I mean because it wasn't just the betrayal of my husband that I'd made vows with it was this woman that was supposed to be my best friend that yep. I had confided in imagine your best friend that you've confided all these things and all these stories all your thoughts all your dreams to take those and then use everything against you 
mm-hmm. like twist everything around. Like there was no way I could win. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you brought me to a great point where I wanted to be like, okay, so you're you're in this day, like he's asked for a divorce, or even let's go to the the mm. day that you slept with him and decided, okay, no, this yeah. is it. How did you move on from that day? Like, what did you start? Like, did things I imagine got worse before they got better? Uh, <laughs> you know, you've obviously mentioned therapy. Yeah. Like, what was the you know what was the trajectory from that moment? Because that seems like that was the the action changed yeah. after that moment yeah. where there might have been talks and emotions and he asked for a divorce and then he came clean and da da da. It sounds like that was the day where things were like, okay, now we're going forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole time I had, uh, I had lost a lot of weight just because I had, I couldn't eat, like mm-hmm. couldn't mm-hmm. eat and I was exercising. So it was great. I was super skinny. And my therapist helped some, what helped me the most was, my sister and my cousin Mercer and my friend Jane, they, and another friend, Jamie, that was local though. She was, she was friends with them as well. Her and her, her boyfriend at the time, we were all like hung out as couples. They were like on speed dial. Like they'd call mm-hmm. and check in on me constantly. Like they got me through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'd come and make sure that I got out of the house or you know, mm-hmm. took a shower all that mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Like the basic. Yeah. 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 Um, and then like, I think after that moment of just like, this is done. And like, especially once the divorce was like finalized, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, I went through that classic, like I'm going to date again. Like might as well. Like I didn't put myself here, but I might as well. Like, right. And, right. and <laughs> got all this stuff going on. Like I'm going to go out and I dated. Um, and it was fun, but I didn't like the work didn't start until like on healing Mm -hmm. until like a year ago okay okay I think I focus so much on just going forward and like taking the high road and putting the kids first like that was my party Mm -hmm. from the very beginning of like Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna make this an ugly divorce I we co-parent fairly well so yeah that was that was my goal through all that and then um it's only a year not even quite a year after the divorce I met uh my second husband mm-hmm. and I think that kind of threw me off course as well I wasn't looking to get remarried and I remember my mm-hmm. brother-in-law um my sister's husband um he had been married before he met my sister no kids or anything just married and like for six months and then got divorced. And he's like, you need to wait at least a year before you start dating. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whatever. Whatever. Um, yeah. Okay. And I did. And I remember meeting my husband now, uh, Jean-Charles, JC. And he, our daughters were in the same third grade class together. And he lived around the corner from me. And so we met because the girls, uh, Ella had invited his daughter over for a birthday party. They were doing a sleepover. Mm-hmm. And I'd reached out. I found like the school like not registry what's it called yeah, yeah like phone numbers list. and emails mm-hmm. and stuff yeah mm-hmm. and I contacted her mom because it was like last minute Ella was like oh and I want to I want to invite Mava too um so I contacted her mom she's like oh she was with her dad that weekend I had no idea this her parents were divorced and so so then she's like let me loop him in on this email and so she added him and he brought her over to the house and I remember picking him up the next morning and he like just kept lingering <laughs> um <laughs> 
And then uh, we talked for a long time. And then a couple of weeks later, Mavis shows up at her front door and she wanted to play. And uh, Will, start, my son, started bothering the girls. So they went back to her house and got her little brother, brought him back. So they were all at my house playing. And several hours later, JC shows up. He's like, his kids, like, are, we live in a really nice neighborhood and kids just run around and um he was used to his kids they lived on a well that's where we live now um a cul-de-sac and so they were usually stayed in that little area and he's like he went to all the normal places he couldn't find their bikes or them anywhere and he was like oh wait there's that new house i can go to <laughs> so he showed ah, up. Yeah. and then there we were and we talked we ended up talking late that night and then i invited him the next day i guess he got home and he found my phone number from the email and he started texting me and then I invited him to come with us to uh, Real Ale's 18th anniversary uh, Real Ale Brewing mm-hmm. in Blanco and I was going out there with the kids so he they drove separately but he came, met me out there with the kids uh, my ex-husband was there with his girlfriend <laughs> it was fun because <laughs> I just remember staying there like we'd just gotten there we got the kids we all got in we got the kids food something to drink got them all settled first and we're waiting on someone's drink. And Will goes, oh, hey, I just saw Daddy walk by. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, he was nice. He came over and said hello. And But what um, do you bring I'll, on the first date? Your ex-husband. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but he didn't, he didn't run away. Uh, and then, on the, like, the story gets better because on the way home, like, we were like, okay, that's, you know, we did the thing and we left. And then I called him and was like, oh, I'm actually going to stop at the Salt Lake in Driftwood on, and get some barbecue. And he's like, oh, that sounds good. I'll meet you there. And then while I was waiting for him, because he took a different route than I did, um, I called my sister who was coming into town that weekend. It was Easter weekend. And this was a Saturday. Um, and she was driving in with her husband. I think she had two kids at the time and her father-in-law. And I told her I was at the Salt Lake. I'd been to really, I didn't tell her that I had met a friend there. I just was like, been at the anniversary thing. I'm stopping at Salt Lake. And she's like, oh, well, we're about to get into town. And I'll just pick up our grandmother and our brother and his wife and his two kids. <laughs> we'll meet you there. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I do now? And so then JC shows up. And I was like, by the way, um, I didn't invite them. Although they swear, they all blame me. But I was like, it wasn't me. Amy invited herself. Um I was like, my family is going to descend on us in a few minutes, and I'm really sorry I did not plan this at all. And we had a lovely time, and he liked my family, and my family liked him, and the rest is kind of history. He didn't run away right. screaming, so yay. <laughs> was that three years ago now? Three or four years ago? Seven years ago. Oh, that was seven years ago? Yeah, so this was like 2014. Time. Um, I'm like, that was just a minute ago, right? I know, it was. <laughs> it was. Right. Yeah, so I think I got so caught up in, like, the kids and then mm-hmm. that relationship that I I told him from the beginning I was like look I'm not looking for a relationship right now like it's cool mm-hmm. we're hanging out but like I'm mm-hmm. I don't want a relationship and then um, my sister and I had already planned this trip to go to Europe together just the two of us before she had her third kid and was tied down for another year of like pregnancy mm-hmm. and nursing and mm-hmm. for more than a year so we went to Ireland she lived there after college and then I'd lived in Sweden for like a semester during college so we both we went back to both those places to kind of show each other where we lived and I remember being on the phone in the hotel in like Dublin and like 
about to hang up and I was like oh I love you too and she's like you love him already like this is June and you just met him in April I'm like it's cute but uh yeah it took like we got married we still we got married we moved in together once I started working in the craft beer industry and I needed I was a sales rep so Mm -hmm. I could work nights and weekends and stuff and I couldn't do like as a single mom it would have been a lot harder Mm -hmm. to do so I was like we might as well just move in together and then we got, uh, we ended up getting married. And yeah, it wasn't until after all of that mm-hmm. that I really, I, I reached a breaking point. I was like, I need to, I need to fix me. Yeah. And that really, it wasn't even, it wasn't even about the divorce. It was about all the things. Yeah. But it kind of came to a head in, well, after the pandemic started, I think that hit every, a lot of people hard, especially if you had, Undealt uh, with mental issues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or trauma or whatever. Mm-hmm. But m- my uh, my mom and I got into a bit of a fight, and my sister. But my sister and I got in a fight with my mom. Okay. <laughs> um, she had posted something online on a Facebook post that was we felt was unnecessary and leaned heavily towards being racist. We were not okay with it. So we called her out online. And she got really mad. This was like a week, week and a half before Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. She got really mad about it. And felt that we should have just like handled it privately or whatever. Anyways, um, she took it out on us both by ignoring us completely on Mother's Day. Did not call us, did not recognize any of our social media posts no text, no nothing, like just completely just froze us out. And that was like, I've been through a lot of painful things in my life, but that was like one of the most painful things I've ever had to mm-hmm. like endure, like hurt. You, you talk a lot about not being seen mm-hmm. and yep. that, that was hard. And mm-hmm. it was that, like that week after Mother's Day, I was like, I, I need to find a therapist again. You were ready. Yeah, I was ready. Mm-hmm. And I just felt, like, overwhelmed mm-hmm. by everything that mm-hmm. was going on. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I, I found my therapist. Right. I feel like previously when you had been in a therapeutic environment, you were, you were, um, it was a tool to get you to, like, getting through a divorce, getting through whatever. But right. you hadn't really done, like, the, y- your window wasn't open. You weren't ready to do the, like, okay. Yeah. what do I have, you know, that's bubbling underneath here? Like it wasn't until it was like bubbled up and ready and you were like, okay. And oh, it's yeah. so interesting. I love that it wasn't like, you know, the moment, you know, that your husband says he's leaving you for the neighbor, best friend, whatever, or punching through the door. It was like much later when you're, when it's, I feel like it, what happens is when you're calm mm-hmm. and there is space to actually go through, you couldn't have, done yeah. a dive into what was going on during that time it was about survival yeah it was oh, a traumatic yeah. episode where you were like how am i gonna live how am i gonna work again you know mm-hmm. you that's something else oh, i'd yeah. love for you to tell me about like how was it what was it like getting back into the workforce after a decade it was terrifying absolutely yeah. terrifying i like that was one of my biggest fears i remember talking to that first therapist about it, it was just like mm-hmm. what do i do i've been out of the workforce mm-hmm. for 10 years and I remember just even being in retail and women coming in that were moms, single moms or mm-hmm. whatever. And like, even as a part-time job 
in a retail store in the mall. They were like, eh, I don't know if we want to hire her. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. really? So yeah, I, I was terrified. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, what I could do. I hadn't used my degree at all. I'd wanted mm-hmm. to join the foreign service and um, I'd always dreamed of living abroad and traveling and like that wasn't an option. I was now a single mom who was confined to Travis County and or, or any, of the, county. <laughs> any of the adjoining counties. And that was it. Yep. Yep. Um, so I couldn't even go back to like West Texas to live with my parents because mm-hmm. I would have had to get in permission. Yeah. So, and that wasn't going to happen. So yeah, so I had to start over and I decided, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to come up with a plan. So I was like, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to become mm-hmm. a nurse. Mm-hmm. Seems like a good fit. I talked to lots of people about it for months. Anyone that I could find that had been a nurse. And I already had a bachelor's degree. So I was like, I can do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, went back to ACC and started like the basic classes. And Mercer and I had been talking about, like she brought up this idea of opening um, a craft beer like, growler station. Mm-hmm. She'd seen them in San Antonio. She's like, this will be a great idea. And so the two of us were going to start this business. Mm-hmm. And all of this makes much more sense now, and I'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so we decided to, um, we were going to do this. And so I started thinking about it. And then the second semester came around. I'd gotten through the first semester, I'd taken a psychology class and a it's like a basic science class because I hadn't had any in over 10 years. I think that was a requirement. So mm-hmm. it was like biology and chemistry, basic. It was a math class. It was just a general math class. And then they changed the requirements and you had to have statistics. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I remember sitting, it was like first week of school. I'm sitting in my statistics class. It's in that really tall ACC building at the Y in Oak Hill. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's up on this hill. It's a tall, I was like fifth floor looking out over the Austin skyline and thinking, I don't want to do this at all. Like, I don't <laughs> want to do this. What I really want to do is beer. And so <laughs> I, I dropped out like that day. I was like, got my money back for the rest of the semester. And I was like, pursued that. And I started studying um, everything that I could about beer. There is a, like a wine sommelier, there's a beer equivalent called a Cicerone. Mm-hmm. There is a beer sommelier, but nobody uses that one. The Cicerone is the more common. And there's, I think if they have four levels now, okay. I just have the bottom, like the beer server, but I got that easily and studied, learned as much as I could, started volunteering at breweries. And uh, I was doing like demos at HEBs and like handing mm-hmm. out samples and stuff. And uh I was doing one one day at, um, at an H-E-B or near my house, and I was there early and set up all my stuff and had my beer ready to go, and this kid comes in like 20 minutes past, like an H-E-B has certain time slots, this kid was 20 minutes late, he runs in, he doesn't talk to the beer and wine steward, which you always do, it's just respectful, it's their space, and they're, they're very touchy people beer and wine stewards like it's my least favorite part <laughs> of the beer industry honestly some of them are just awful um those whole different stories um anyways so this kid shows up late he throws up his table grabs the beer and he's like he's a college student he's like i only have like i can do up to three beers but i only have money to buy two because you have to buy the samples and he's like so which one should i do and he's like turns out he was doing sampling for big ben brewing company out of alpine uh-huh. texas okay and he was like 
hey, did you know the, <laughs> he's picked up the Hefeweizen, he's like, hey, did you know that the Hefeweizen is made with bananas? And I said, holy fucking shit, no it isn't. <laughs> Child, come here, let me explain come some here. things to you about beer. Bananas? It does taste like bananas, it smells like bananas, but it is due to a chemical reaction that happens during the fermentation process mm-hmm. where it, like the esters are released, and it it happens with the yeast specifically for Hefeweizens, specifically German Hefeweizens. I know all these things about beer. And so this kid was like, <laughs> but he was very chatty. And he was really good at talking to the people and getting them to come over and try stuff. But then he was talking about the IPA. And he's like, you know, the IPA is bitter because of the alcohol content. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, you can't see me, but I'm slapping the, my forehead. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no. Um, but I kept talking to him. And then he told me that their sales rep had quit the day before. Um, that he was just, he'd been hired by her. He met her at like a wedding. He was serving alcohol at a wedding mm-hmm. and it asked him to do demos, but she'd quit the day before while everybody else was out of town, including our good friend Mahala. She was the uh-huh. VP. Okay. Um, they were all out of town for a beer conference in Philadelphia and she interviewed with another brewery in Austin and they offered her the job and she quit that day. And so I emailed them, I looked up the email and emailed them the next day and was like, hey, I heard, I was like, you definitely need a a different person to do your demos because this kid is not okay. Bless his heart, I believe is the say. Yeah, I was like, you can teach him the stuff. Like he's really good with people, but I was like, yeah, he can't, uh, He doesn't know anything about beer. So I was like, and I also heard you need a sales rep. And then I talked to Mercer and she had worked for them as well. And, and was friends with Mahala and she responded. Mahala was like, yep, I'll give you a job. And so she, I was just doing like through that summer, um, festivals and just other events and stuff to cover Mm -hmm. what the sales rep had left, um, a hole there. And then, that October is when, like, or August or something, she'd offered me a full-time position. Um, she never even read my resume. Like, I remember coming to Austin one day, and she's like, oh, did you have any sales experience? And I'm like, I sent you my whole resume. Like, I worked in retail for years. <laughs> she's like, oh, Mercer's, Mercer wrote me a glowing recommendation letter. And so she was like, that's good enough for me. That's good enough. Um, yeah, and so I got, that's not how most people get into the beer industry, but I was just right place, right time, and new mm-hmm. right people what was calling you to be it was just like no that's what i want to do this is what i enjoy it's what i want to learn about it's what i want to teach people yeah i just mm-hmm. i was fascinated by it i yeah I, I traveled a lot in college to europe like i said i'd lived mm-hmm. in sweden but i'd also been to like italy and switzerland england i spent a summer in england um in canterbury uh, studying there and uh so yeah i've always been fascinated i also worked at epcot um at disney world <laughs> Well, (laughs) see, I've always wanted to travel. And so that's when Mm -hmm. I learned, like, the beer wasn't just Coors Light and Bud Light. Right, right. Although my first half of Eisen, I hated, I spit it out. I was like, this is disgusting. What is this? Yeah. This is not beer. It's not beer-flavored beer. Yeah, it's not beer-flavored beer. Um, But it was just something that was drawing you? Yeah. um, I, and now, I understand it now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um... At the time, I didn't know. It was just, like, something that was interesting. And it was yeah. something I get passionate about. And it just clicked. Like, it was things mm-hmm. that I liked about, because I got to learn about history or mm-hmm. talk about history, which I was always really into, especially European mm-hmm. history, yep. um, which is where all the beer originated, or most of it. And, yeah, I, I just nerded out about all the things, about mm-hmm. all the hops that go into it and the process of making it. And then all the people were just really fun to be around. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. 
Oh, I enjoyed it. I love that. I love that. So if you want to share with us, like, because um, it sounds like you're, like, dare I say, it sounds so corny. Like, you're healing journey. I hate that so, <laughs> so much. Ugh. But it, it gets to the core of what I'm looking at. It's like when you had that, you know, Mother's Day moment and yeah. you said, okay, I need to start. Like, what, what's, what started to unfold from that? Like, were you like, oh, I You know, we started know. picking apart, like... I mean, we didn't start with EMDR. We just started with just talk mm-hmm. therapy and just kind of getting to yep. know each other for a while. Yep. Um, and it was like almost a year ago. It would have been uh-huh. uh, October 21st of last year. Mm-hmm. Well, before then. Uh, my therapist was like, you know what? I think like you're definitely dealing with some depression and anxiety. You should go see a psychiatrist about mm-hmm. getting medicated. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I have this woman I know she, I, that I used to work with. She was... Um, nurse practitioner mm-hmm. and so I made an appointment with her got in super fast this is apparently this is not how it works for most people <laughs> um but she had availability it was also during the pandemic still pandemic. so um mm-hmm. it was all virtual I still never met my therapist in person we've just seen each other virtually mm-hmm. it works anyway so I start talking to this psychiatrist and she starts asking me all these questions and then the st- questions start getting stranger <laughs> like, she's <laughs> like do you ever just relax? Like when you're sitting down, like, do you just, can you relax? I'm like, yeah, relax. She's like, do you sleep? I'm like, sure. I, I think I sleep, but I, I can't remember everything that she asked me, but finally she was like, after about 20, 30 minutes, she goes, you have ADHD. I was like, wait, no, me? No. She's like, no, no, you have ADHD. She's like, you also have anxiety and depression. And I don't know which came first, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. And that was, it was like, it's changed my whole life because everything, most of the questions that you've asked me about all go, it, it's all tied into okay. ADHD and the hyper-focusing on getting it to beer. And like, this is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, also why I didn't like that statistics class, because uh, once I started learning more about ADHD and getting into why women go underdiagnosed so often and all these other things, but there's all these comorbid things that can come along with ADHD. And some of them are learning disabilities mm-hmm. like dyslexia or dysgraphia. My son is dysgraphic and I didn't get diagnosed for this, but I like 99.9% sure that I have dyscalculia. And so the, it's basically dyslexia for math, like the ability to understand math okay. problems, be able to math. I've never been able to do math in my head. Like, without, like, I have to count on my fingers. Like, Mm -hmm. I've never been able to do it. And um, one of the reasons women so often go undiagnosed, especially if there's a thing called twice gifted, which you have high IQ, and then you also um, have ADHD. You're twice gifted. I don't know what I'd call it. (laughs) But um, a lot of reasons that women go so underdiagnosed is if they did well in school because they usually equate ADHD with doing very poorly in school and being disruptive Mm -hmm. and I was not I was a people pleaser and a teacher's pet and I made straight A's except for math like that was the only thing and it didn't make it never made sense to me why I was so good I even got put in um, it was a really small school Fort Davis Mm -hmm. where I went I graduated with 24 people and our school counselor decided that I made straight A's, so I should be in advanced algebra. And okay. so she threw me in there with four other people. And then the other class, the main class, had like, you know, 30 students or 
whatever, I don't know, whatever, 20. <laughs> See, I can't do math 20. in my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it was a larger class. Um, yeah. And so I actually, the only reason I did well in that class is because I got one-on-one -on -one attention because the other kids already knew it all. They were just like, this is easy to us. This is so simple. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'd raise my hand every day, like, what is, I don't understand, like, I don't get this. And she would walk me through it. And so I had... Mm -hmm. Like a tutor. Yeah, basically. Session, I mean, basically. the rest of the kids hated me, mm -hmm. but yeah, they were so bored. But when I got to college, I, I didn't, I failed and then I had to take it again and I got a D and that was good enough and for my degree and that's all I needed. But yeah, I was like, oh, this all makes sense. What is the percentage of, do you know, maybe, maybe you don't offhand of how many women are diagnosed versus men with ADHD? It used to be like back in the nineties, I think it was like nine and 10 boys, but they didn't like, they were just ignoring. There's not even to this day, there's not enough studies done about, um, women and I actually made notes because I can't remember anything. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, I'm going to make notes about this. Oh, uh, so one of the reasons like boys are, uh, they tend to be more visible, yep. um, like disruptive and girls, uh, tend to internalize everything. They're also mm -hmm. really good at masking their mm -hmm. symptoms and, mm -hmm also just societal norms like girls are more sensitive and they're daydreamy and they're flighty and mm -hmm. blah blah and so they like don't get diagnosed mm -hmm. and then if they do well in school then they're like no you can't have ADHD you're smart like, right but why don't you just try harder like no that's not how it works and how often do you <laughs> this might be another anecdotal yeah. thing how often do adult women <laughs> get diagnosed, if you will? Not, still not, I don't know, like, I don't know mm -hmm. the um, the percentage, but mm -hmm. most adult, like, there's, they call them the lost generation or the lost girls, because especially uh -huh. our, our generation of right. women mm -hmm. were missed so often. And it wasn't, it's not until a lot of them have had their own children that are getting diagnosed. And then they're like, and it's highly genetic, like yeah. hereditary. And so... Yeah, so they're like, wait a second. Even my husband also has ADHD, mm -hmm. but he's not diagnosed. But we know he does because he's exactly like his, or his son's exactly like him. Mm -hmm. And he has ADHD mm -hmm. and ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder. That's mm -hmm. fun. I may have that as well, but I've not been diagnosed. But I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. There's like, tell yes. anybody, do, put on your shoes. Now, I don't want to put on my shoes. Right. I even argue with like Siri or like the like navigation like turn yeah. left at the like you turn left I'm like why am I arguing with the GPS the, like, the GPS she's trying to get me to where I need to go I thought at one point I was like oh I know I'll put it like ways you can record your own voice and I was like oh mm -hmm. I won't yell at myself right nope. I still yelled at myself I was like you turn left kid I was like that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> um, <laughs> but that is another symptom of ADHD it's just rage or just anger um mm -hmm. and road rage i have i have horrible road rage there's a whole bunch of things that i didn't realize went along with um mm -hmm. with adhd like so many just little silly things singing to myself around the house all the time or just making up rhymes or i the i'm sure you were familiar like i guess it was like a year or two ago people were talking online about uh, internal monologues and people like not everybody has an internal monologue mm -hmm. I didn't realize that but then I also realized this last year that mine never shuts up and it's on like hyperspeed and there's like four conversations and a song playing at any given time in, any... in my head yep. um, and 
realizing that other people don't do that. And that's why I can't sleep at night because my brain's like, what did I not do? What did I, what am I going to do tomorrow? Why is What's the sky that blue? Song? Yeah. <laughs> what I, was the rest of that song that I heard earlier? You know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. songs get, just get stuck in your head or pieces of songs or mm-hmm. words. Like, and it'll just be the most random word that I don't know where it came from, where I heard it, but it'll just get stuck in my head and I'll just repeat it in my over head all day long. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else that has like unpacked during this time? You know, like ADHD, big one. Yeah. Well, that also helps me understand because when I started the therapy and it was mm-hmm. the catalyst was my mom mm-hmm. and not understanding my relationship with her mm-hmm. and why she did the things she did and why she was a different person from one week to the next. And then reading about ADHD, finding out mm-hmm. how hereditary it is. And so I started looking around. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mercer also, sorry, I'm outing you, but um, mm-hmm. she also has ADHD. And so I was like, okay, it's genetic. It's in the family. It's clearly it's coming from that side of the family. And I was like, oh, oh, my mom definitely, she is like, never can find her keys or her wallet, which is like the forgetfulness mm-hmm. is intense and then clearly like it comes from her grandmother mm-hmm. and uh yeah all those the mercer telling her stories in her um her episode where she's like bad decision like at least <laughs> a great stories but all these like poor decisions like it's it's impulsiveness from adhd mm-hmm. yeah so um i don't have as much of the impulsiveness although i was diagnosed with uh the combination because there's it was add then it was adhd but now it's I hear conflicting things constantly, but it's ADHD and there's three types, mm-hmm. okay. hyperactive, inattentive, and combination. Boys are more likely to be okay. hyperactive. Women are more likely to be inattentive or have a combination of both. Okay. And then okay. my, know that. most of my hyperactivity is that swirly brain, mm-hmm. like bees in my brain. It never stops. But I'm fidgety. Like even now I'm just like, I can't stop moving. I hate mm-hmm. sitting still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever get to EMDR? Have you gotten to that? Yes. You said, yeah. Yeah. How I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that that does well for an ADHD brain. It is actually working really well. Although we've done Mm -hmm. everything backwards. And I made a note about this. It was like everything in my, everything's so convoluted. Mm -hmm. My trauma, because I have a lot of childhood trauma as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, where one thing ends and another mm-hmm. begins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we even started, instead of, like, normally when you're doing EMDR, it's progressive and you start at the beginning and then just kind of mm-hmm. move forward. And we didn't. We started because my divorce seemed to be more pressing. Yep. But we started with that. Yep. And it's helped a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely more calm now and there's mm-hmm. less trauma Mm-hmm. Trauma response to things. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's still like we were working on. Um, it was last week about we moved into like we I think we'd done present stuff and we were moving mm-hmm. on to future stuff. Mm-hmm. So my thing was like having to be around them at events that involve the children, like graduations, mm-hmm. weddings, mm-hmm. grandchildren, mm-hmm. and it was hard. Like it was brutal. Like I cried. Like a lot. We didn't realize how much stuff was still stuck in there. Cause there was like, there were some very traumatic incidents, like when I broke her door mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. um, other stuff that happened, but, uh, there were like very specific traumatic incidents, but there was also just all this little nitpicky stuff that had happened mm-hmm. of just her being a narcissist and like t- 
tearing me down and building me back up and tearing me down or just did, uh, my ex-husband little things that he did like he was verbally abusive but not mm-hmm. like it was fairly subtle. he has some narcissistic tendencies he's, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say he was full-blown narcissist but mm-hmm. just little things like if I wore shorts or a ba- like he was constantly telling me that I looked like a lesbian and to him that was a horrible thing or a bad thing okay. like I looked stupid wearing a hat or I wasn't allowed to call him Dave could only call him David or I wasn't allowed to say the word dude because I sounded stupid when I said it like what <laughs> like just like little shit that I just let go but it all builds up after a while mm-hmm. I'm just like slowly tearing you down and then wondering why you're not the same person that they married <laughs> like, well, right a, people change mm-hmm. b you have made me a shell of a person but yeah, so the next day, like after that session, like we only got halfway through it. We didn't even complete it. But that next yeah. day I was wiped out. Like Friday, I couldn't function. I was just yeah. done, tired. But it's been like my brain, like at first I was really resistant to it. And I had a hard time concentrating. Mm-hmm. And even now, mm-hmm. like while the kids were all home and doing school here and they do like a week on, like during that whole shutdown and they weren't in school in person, yep. they spent a week at my house and then a week at their dad's. Normally they're just weekends at his house. Um, so the days that they were here and sucking up all the internet, um, and then animals <laughs> running around, like it's super distractive. Like, I mean, you say like squirrel and there's like, I yeah, mean, there would literally be squirrels at my window and I'd be like, I can't, or the kitten or, you know, something happening. So yeah, it, sometimes it was, it took a lot of work to just make myself do it and concentrate. And then mm-hmm. even now, like I to stay on task or at the end, you know, end of each like little mm-hmm. session, not session. But like each, like tap, like I do the butterfly taps. Okay. Um, and, but every time you stop that and she asks like, oh, what did you notice that time? And I'm like, I can't, I can't remember. Like it was 30 yeah. seconds ago, but yeah, I can't yeah. remember. And my brain's gone from A, not to Z, but to like Q and then back to M. Mm-hmm. And then. And then maybe C else. and then yeah. maybe V yeah. and then. Yeah. yeah. And then to. And then squirrels. And then we're 80s. like, oh no. Yeah. And then 87. What? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then some yeah. days my brain would be like, no, we're not going to do this. And mm-hmm. I, it wouldn't, like, some of the harder stuff, it wouldn't let me. It took a couple of turn- mm-hmm. times to, like, mm-hmm. convince myself. But once we got into it, mm-hmm. it's, it's become, it gets a lot easier. And then once you start doing it, it just, each time gets easier. And you clear out mm-hmm. stuff that, stuff gets cleared out that you're not even working on that. So, yep. It's, yep. Yeah just huge huge cheerleaders for it yeah or i can be you know i'll be a huge cheerleader if you want to join me you know yeah, of, yeah i do i, uh, I tell yeah. everybody about it yeah one of the things i recommend when when you're diagnosed with adhd um as an adult is to go find online like support groups and so um i joined a a group for moms living with adhd on facebook mm-hmm. and i think i put that link in the okay cool you asked me um and it's uncensored because, and it, it's been great. It's thousands of women from all mm-hmm. over the world. And we're all dealing with the same stuff because we've got, you know, some, not everybody's married and not everybody's biologically female either, but it's just like all these parents, they're all parents mm-hmm. and they're all, we're all dealing with the same stuff. And some days I read these women's posts and I'm like, oh, I've got it so much better. <laughs> or right. some days I'm like, oh man, they like, but I, I learned so much about um, it all. But there, frequently therapy comes up in EMDR, and there's so many people mm-hmm. like, I tried this, and it was great. Like, yeah. do it for your trauma. 
Right. Do it for your trauma. Because I, what I need to not do is talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I could talk all day, but it, I it can won't talk help. all day, all day. Can just fulfill an entire therapist day with talking. I can talk circles, but I can't stop whatever pathway, you know, whatever neurological pathway of like, this means this and this, you know, yeah. like, I, I don't know how else to explain it. You can't, you can't fix trauma with talk therapy. It's yeah, not, it's a different part yeah. of the brain and you have mm-hmm. to access that. Like, I can't remember parts of the brain, but yeah, I can't, I don't know either. But it's I, in the middle somewhere and it's, it's in like, the middle somewhere. <laughs> Is neutralize there, those. Yes. Yes. It's neutralizing. There you go. Yes. Is there anything else in the last, you know, bit of your journey that, you know, you feel that you want to share with everyone? I mean, I was, I was talking to Mercer about it this morning. Um, mm-hmm. She was like, I'm so excited you're going to be on Jesse's show. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. And I was like, but I've been listening to these other podcasts and all these women are like, I did mm-hmm. this and this horrible thing happened. And then here I am and I'm doing all these things and I'm like, it's amazing. Um, and I feel like I'm not, I'm not there. And it was of course like imposter syndrome of like, uh-huh. I'm not yep. worthy. Like I shouldn't be here. Um, yep. And she's like, but I think she's like, kind of people need to hear that you're still a mess too. Cause it's not like yep. I skipped all that stuff and I got remarried, which is great. He's mm-hmm. amazing and he's willing to grow himself and work on himself as a person mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's really important um and I also feel like we're in like this partnership that's equal and not mm-hmm. um so that's really important to me but I'm still not healed mm-hmm. and for my kids sake and my husband's sake and my and most importantly my own mm-hmm. like I've got to continue on this journey and I've been very outspoken about it since the beginning of last year when I started the therapy of mm-hmm. talking about mental health on mm-hmm. on social media constantly mm-hmm. talking about ADHD and depression and like showing pictures of it like if I'm crying sometimes I will take a picture and like look this is what it's like like mm-hmm. my life isn't just happy all the time and we're not just going on these adventures like some days mm-hmm. I don't do anything and my house is a mess and I'm crying and mm-hmm. um and I have depression and yeah and even just like I left the beer industry this summer and it all came down to it's because I'm not healed. And um, after the divorce, when I started this whole new career, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to do this whole new thing. Do something that's just mine. My ex and his wife started hanging out and doing all these craft beer things too and going to the breweries. And then she started blogging. Um, and then they bought a blog um, that someone else had started. And so they were at all the events and constantly mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. and I could not separate them from craft beer and in, mm-hmm. in this in Austin and there was something that happened this spring where they were talking about um, this whole thing started with a me too movement movement with women in the in- beer industry a woman had shared her story on Instagram and her stories and was like, does anybody else have a story to share? And then like, mm-hmm. she got thousands of responses and it started this whole movement. She was actually just in town last week uh, doing some collaboration brews and stuff. She's a brewer. She's awesome. Pam had posted a story online that <laughs> uh, Mahala told me about um, that uh, 
I guess she was talking about this thing and about this Me Too movement and how about believing women. And it just mm-hmm. triggered me because one of the tra- traumatic experiences I had before their affair ever started, um, we spent a lot of time with her parents. They lived in town and they would babysit our children while we went and did stuff. And every time I would see her father, he would hug me and then grope my ass. Mm-hmm. And I was at a very like low place in my life at that point. Um, yeah. I would not be surprised if I analyzed and look back if I had postpartum depression. Yeah. Like just a lot of shit going on. Clearly yep. undiagnosed ADHD, depression, anxiety. Anyway, so I didn't like I it went on for a long time before I finally went to my husband and was like, Hey, this is happening, it's making me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Like, mm-hmm. can you help me? Because I can't do it by myself. And he ignored me. He's like, No, it's it's not a big deal. You're imagining mm-hmm. it. Keep going. So then I went to Pam and I like I clue this one's not completely neutral. Um, but uh, I went to Pam and talked to her about it. I was like, look, your dad keeps grabbing me. She got pissed. Like, she was angry wow. at me, not at him. She was angry at me for suggesting that her father would do such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually was a couple of weeks later. I was at her um, at her house. where There was a house party. And I was on the back patio with her husband and their mutual friend from college. And somehow that topic came up and the friend she was like yeah he's done that to me since college and to all her female friends Mm -hmm. and her husband was livid like he like had the appropriate reaction of just like right that's not okay like right and I didn't ask him to do anything he was like he stood up and he's like I'm going to deal with this like and the next day he wouldn't basically threaten to murder the man if he ever found out that he was touching anybody else again which he still did. David, I think this is, yeah, this is still like before the divorce. Maybe while they're having the fair. I don't know. Pam's parents, her dad, and uh, David's dad became, had become friends. Like, we just spent a lot, like, all our families spent yeah, a lot of time apparently. together. Yeah, <laughs> um, And so I remember his, David's mom telling me the story of, like, when Pam's dad went to visit them or stopped by their house in East Texas. And he went to hug her. She's very chesty later, was. She passed away a year ago. Um, actually, I think today. Oof. Anyways, uh, she, like, he went to hug her, and mm-hmm. he slid his arms in under her armpits so he could graze the side of her breasts and then, like, drug them back out the same way. Mm-hmm. Instead of going around, like, you hug around. You don't. <laughs> and, and this was in front of David's dad as well, and neither one of them stood up for her either, but she told me the story, and I was like, he's a serial groper so when Pam posted the story about like you believe women I was like I literally went to you (laughs) and I made a big fuss about it online and um and I'm still pissed at them because she's she's such a fucking narcissist but my boss at work um because they they have this craft beer blog and stuff and they know people in the industry and whatever he called me into work in the middle of June like one morning and he does he's not confrontational he doesn't like to talk about these things or discipline people or there's mm-hmm. problems and he was like we need to talk and then I got there and he's a really tall guy um, he's like six foot three or four and he's like let's sit down and talk and so I sat down and he didn't he stood over me in this giant frame he's like you gotta talk stop talking about this shit online and I was like I immediately stood up and I was like thank you very much for the opportunity to work for you and we were friends like this man was in my wedding like we were friends but I was like see ya I'm out the door I like I can't right. like the industry was fairly toxic. There was a lot of drinking. And then that, like, I can't, I was like, I can't, I can't stop talking about online. Mm-hmm. And I either want to be able to do that, but I can't separate them 
so I'm just going to leave the industry. And I was like, I've started over before. I can do it again. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you didn't want to have that on your res- like resume skill. Can start over. Can start over. Again. <laughs> can start over. Um, Done well, it before. We'll do it again. Like she does so many times, and she's convinced me to, to, to start something else on my own. She's like, mm-hmm. we're not good at working for people. We, we do better on our own. <laughs> <laughs> collaborating with ourselves <laughs> like, right. I agree. um so yeah so i'm gonna go into social media management and i'm doing some stuff for her now and trying to get some certifications and just some more general knowledge about stuff. well i would guess um as you continue on you know this dare i say again healing journey we can just say like uh, uh with a uh after it that's what that's yeah. how i'm always gonna say um being in an industry so dominated by drinking might not serve you well. It it really didn't. Like, mm-hmm. did you start to see like maybe this is not the most healthiest place for me to be? Yeah, and I've never been like mm-hmm. a huge drinker. I mean, I mean, no, I think I drink, I drink more than the average mm-hmm. person. But it was mm-hmm. becoming, especially specifically the last brewery that I worked for. Yeah, it was a constant party. Yeah, atmosphere. that's what I'm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's- as a sales rep, I had to like pretend like I was partaking but I couldn't actually because I know so many that have like ended up with like DWIs and mm-hmm, or left the yeah. industry like not in a good way um yeah mm-hmm. so yeah it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't helpful for anything um mm-hmm. yeah I just know the more that people tend to get like centered if you will you know let's I like that better than yeah <laughs> the more that you kind of like get in union and centered and kind of start to figure out your life and be like god I don't want to keep making these same mistakes over and over and I want to start you know unpacking stuff and doing things better mm-hmm. that like being in sometimes being in an industry it's like oh this isn't gonna work anymore you know yeah yeah it was definitely that's that. de- definitely part of my journey and I've mm-hmm. been so happy like I didn't there were so many parts of it that were good for my ADHD like I got to mm-hmm. do something different every day no one was micromanaging what I did they yep. were all just like go do your thing but it was also constant rejection of every time somebody mm. didn't buy my product. That was really hard because there is a thing in ADHD is rejection sensitivity. Um, mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's hard. Um, or just the executive dysfunction of just like not being able to and disorganization and every day I'd be like, right. like there's this meme that I see frequently and it's always a little different, but it's like I function like I make plans for the following day with the, <laughs> the assumption that I'm suddenly going to like miraculously tomorrow be able to like stay organized and stay on time and all this stuff. <laughs> like, right. yeah, every day like I'm such I'm a very half glass full like positive person mm-hmm. so I'm like tomorrow is gonna be great I'm gonna get everything done and then I don't and I beat myself up about it and then I move on yeah and I want to say that not everyone um has got to the end of I don't, I don't yeah. think that anybody yeah. has gotten to the end oh, of yeah. their story you know we've had plenty of people be like so and then this is where I'm at you yeah. know <laughs> That's right. I, th- I think it sounds more complete when I've had a lot of people on that like have then gone like change their career to then help people who are suffering mm-hmm. the same as them that might sound like a completion but it's really I don't think yeah, it yeah. Is, you know yeah but I think that does make I see what you're saying there yeah a more I mean and I don't I honestly like I just turned 45 on Saturday mm-hmm. and um oh yeah happy birthday yeah thanks and I I've got a plan because I, I I told you I always want to travel and mm-hmm. uh live abroad and it, my husband is French um yes. And we have a plan once the kids are all out of school and we don't have, we're not tied, specifically Mm -hmm. being tied to this town that we're leaving. Mm -hmm. And if we can get to Europe, um, that'll be great. And so, like, I don't want to start something that I can't take with me Mm -hmm. or, like, Mm -hmm. there's no point in, like, going back to school for something that I couldn't do abroad. So Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Trying to keep my options open. 
Um, I think we're ready for questions unless you got anything else. Oh, no, I think I covered most of it. All right. Uh, okay, ready? Yep. Cilantro, yes or no? Yes. When was the last time you went tubing? Sadly, uh, before the pandemic. But we used to mm. go a lot. That's not too long. Um, what was your first job, like high school job or college? You know, but like your first. I was 14 and I worked at the drugstore in Fort Davis and I washed dishes. But then it was oh, bought by a cult yeah. and um, they wanted me to not cut my hair and wear long dresses. And my mom and I were like, see ya. <laughs> um, and then I worked at Prude Ranch after that. Were you a camp counselor? Um, I was, but first I like just during the school year, I worked in the kitchen for like when they had tour groups and stuff and then yep, camp counselor. Love it. I grew up with Kelly. She was in my class. Oh, I love it. When, let's see. Where, where was I? Oh, what does, um, H-E-B stand for? Howard E. Butts started mm. in, uh, oh, my kids think it's hilarious though. When they were little, I'm like, we're going to the Butts store. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I grew up going to the San Antonio rodeo and they'd always have a display from, mm-hmm. um, Dang it, not Kerrville. Uh, the, the original store, they'd have like this mm-hmm. full setup of what the original store looked like. So, yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, barbecue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like the, the full on virtual food and the whole experience. You've got your brisket, mm-hmm. you got your beans, you got a potato salad, you got or, or your coleslaw or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but and then you have your bread, right? Mm-hmm. Do you eat the bread? And then how do you eat the bread? How do you in, uh, incorporate that into the meal? I usually make like, it's kind of like a briskety white bread taco and just okay. eat it like that. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I uh-huh. usually only do like one slice of the bread. Yeah. Yeah. I'm worried about the meat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I was fascinated, but when I, I always ask this question and I'm going <laughs> to explain it probably two yeah. times, whatever, like coming in as an outsider to uh-huh. the ritual of barbecue, I'm yeah. being like, what is, what are we doing with this bread? Why do we have bread? What are, are, uh-huh. we, what are, what are we doing with the bread? You know, like, <laughs> I never I make like ask. a full sandwich and I do mm-hmm. use it to like wipe up sop. the, yeah, see, I sop. feel like it's a sopper, yes. right? It is. It's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I remember my husband was like, will you do this? And I was like, we're making sandwiches? You know? yeah. <laughs> it's just like, this makes no sense to me. <laughs> to me, it's kind of like the thing of like going to um, like Mexican a... restaurant with a tortilla. Well, no. Well, that, but, um, mm-hmm. well, yeah, it could be like that, filling up on the tortillas. But like when you go to mm-hmm. a, a Chinese buffet, mm-hmm. um, you don't fill up on the rice because you put right. all this other stuff. And the same thing, like I don't want to fill up on the bread when I've someone's mm-hmm. worked hours to make this beautiful this meat, barbecue so. i yeah. know so i'm like what are we doing with the bread <laughs> same thing with raclette which is a if you've never had raclette Mm-mm. it's a uh it's a french thing uh-huh. um so it's basically just melted cheese and you just put it on your plate but they serve it with like potato boiled potatoes okay. and like cold cuts um and yeah and it's great it's just like you just put this pile of melted cheese on your plate you eat a little bit and then you put more like okay. this whole machine that heats that it up like in the restaurant but fondue's in the pot. This is okay. like, like we did it. We went to France for Christmas two years ago, 2019, right before everything shut down. And there's like a whole, like, just imagine a half wheel of cheese, but it's like a okay. foot long. Like it, it was massive. Like it was like 20 cool. pounds of cheese. Wow. Um, and then they have this like heating lamp that um, is like against the cheese. So it's just heating up uh-huh. that top layer. And then there's a scraper. And so you just scrape that off onto your plate and then it heats up the next layer. But we also have one in the house that you just cut little squares and then you stick it in there. It's kind of like a little toaster really, I guess, but there's open okay. on all sides so people can put in their little trays and you melt your cheese and you just put it on your plate. 
Um, but you don't fill up on the potatoes. So this is always a bad idea. You just eat right. the cheese. Rookie mistake. It's so Rookie mistake. It's right? really it's a Swiss thing. It's not a French thing. Um, but uh, like like fondue is as well. But we're going back to uh, France for Christmas this year. Cause I had my kids the first five years of or six years after the divorce for Christmas Day mm-hmm. or Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. But 2019 was the first year I didn't have them. And we're like, oh, we'll go on a little, we'd gotten married that year. So like, we'll go on a honeymoon and go there for Christmas. And that'll make me forget that I don't have my children. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're doing that again this year. So now is it another five years that you don't have them? No, it's just, so oh, it normally would go back way. and forth, but he wanted to switch for the same weekends as his girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. well, now wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, oh, and it'll make sense for you when you meet somebody and they'll probably have kids and you'll be on the same weekends, which it did work out. But I was like, but I'm not just going to give it to him. I'm going to make him trade for it. And so mm-hmm. I traded for the first five years to have them, if it wasn't my year, to have them Christmas Eve, like at 4.30 till noon on Christmas Day so that I had them for that because they, they were still mm-hmm. little. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think Will was 12 when it ended. So like, oh, they were almost teenagers. It's yeah, it's not as bad. Santa's over. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I wish. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So it made it a lot easier. But um, and that's the other thing I didn't we didn't go into at all. But step parenting because there was I listened to a whole podcast about that. That's a whole different whole different topic. But yeah, right. Yeah, whole, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. We have to, we have to do part two. Cool. Well, I thank you so much. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. I love, um, uh, you had told me about the ADHD, but I'm really glad that we talked about it so much because I don't think that's something we've brought into the show yet. Like, I know. I was like, oh, I don't see that. And I think it's really important because there's mm-hmm. so many women um, mm-hmm. that, and I had, because I post about it so much, I've had other people reach out to me and mm-hmm. say like, hey, I I just found out this mm-hmm. or I've dealt with this too. And um, mm-hmm. Even just about the divorce stuff, I posted something about the mm-hmm. divorce and that hard therapy session of the day. And a friend mm-hmm. reached out and was like, it was a, a male friend, um, but mm-hmm. he's like, oh, we're getting divorced and wants mm-hmm. to hang out. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm here for you. I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but just like sharing all that stuff and not just being everything's great all the time. It's been. Right. Yeah. Every time somebody responds with something of like, thank you for sharing this because I've been there. Or I'm Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. Um, but yeah, the, I think so many women don't know about the ADHD and I think it's something, usually we get told, like we feel overwhelmed and you think it's just anxiety and depression. And there's so many doctors that still won't diagnose or think that women mm-hmm. are just, or people are just after you know, the Adderall. Uh, right. A and it's really hard. Right. And I, I haven't found any success with ADHD medication. So, so um, yeah, I have a stimulant problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like my body doesn't metabolize caffeine. And I think the liver, it's the same thing, but Got I haven't it. tested for it officially. But, uh, yeah, they just make me feel... I mean, I'm on it right now, but I was like, eh, it doesn't feel good. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. It's not helpful. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Sorry, I'll keep talking all day, so... All right, well, fine. <laughs> all right, we'll just... Um, yeah. the, it'll always be um, linked in show notes, but if people want to reach out to you, like, uh, what's the best way? F- Facebook page up? In case they're like, oh, this sounds really familiar. Oh, um, I put my Instagram Perfect. account on there. Perfect. So yeah, that's like messenger that's a good way. that. So yeah, I'm cool. on Instagram a lot. Great. Yeah. All right. Anything okay. else? That's it. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, uh, don't forget, find me at Prickly and Blooming. Um, oh, and I have to remind everybody that there's a listener survey on the website, which is pricklyandblooming.com. Right at the top on the right-hand side, it says survey. That really helps me out. Okay. I'll see you all next week.